This morning, I, I didn't know what to entitle my message. I, I kind of strolled through it and thinking about that 58th chapter in which we're talking about. Hopefully, this is we, we have a general idea of the Bible with specifics in mind as we go along how to compile it together to make a compilation as as the Spirit compiles us, makes us together without hands. Yes. Fitly joined together. You know, we are bold for the Lord. He's making us a temple of the living God. Yes. We may abode in it. It's throughout the Bible he gives us various examples, types and shadows and ways in which we're being built up the house of God, dwelling place for him, a family of God. Starting with the book of Genesis where the spirit brewed upon the earth, in other words, where it looked over the chaos and the darkness that had been formed. And all of that's a teaching and a preaching within itself because we know he didn't create it that way. He didn't create it in darkness. He didn't create it with confusion. All of those was a result of maybe satanic actions because we open up the book of Genesis and we see where that Satan was already in the garden. He had planted a garden in Eastwood and Eden. And God had always had an objective in mind. And we're headed somewhere. We're headed toward the completion of that objective that God had in mind. I used to have a boss man that was a seven-day Adventist. We discussed the Sabbath, uh, argued back and forth. I was young at that time. You know, he was able to go to work when you were younger. Then in my teens, 15 or 16, I was a bullet then. You know, I would argue about everything. Mostly about the things that I didn't really know. <laughs> we, you know, I thought I was a know-it-all. And he was telling me about the Sabbath, not to work on his job, not to come out there. I would do roofing work uh, for him. I learned to do roofing work, and he told me not to. He didn't want me out there on a Sabbath or whatever, working in. Uh, I could work other places, but not on his job. I've learned a lot about the Sabbath since that time or whatever, and uh, I I'm understood what he was meaning, but I've learned it differently since then. And we'll talk about the Sabbath tomorrow and next week or whatever. We'll talk more on the Sabbath because in building his house of God, the Apostle Paul said he hadn't failed to declare all of the gospel unto the people. In other words, all of the word of God. We're responsible for the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Yes. Where the whole word of God, that's the only way we could be fitly fit. In other words, joined together. You just can't take pieces here and there and knit together a quilt or whatever because as Noah was putting the ark together and God gave him this design and told him how to get, put it together, but in making that boat, Noah had to use pitch. Mm -hmm. 
pitch was a type of bitumen, a type of asphalt. And when putting that huge boat together, that ark, he had to pitch it within and without pitch. In other words, it was a sealant. It was a sealant that sealed it, sealed that boat together so it wouldn't sink. So it wouldn't sink, water wouldn't seep in. And, and that's the thing with our lives. We need a seal to prevent us from sinking in life. The Spirit is that seal. You remember in the book of Ezekiel where he told the angels to go in the midst of the city and seal in the forehead those servants of God. We are sealed by the Spirit of God. We are sealed. He, he puts his mark on us. There's a mark of God and there's a mark of Satan. Satan is a great counterfeiter. He duplicates every, try to duplicate everything God does. Uh, makes me think about the two seeds within the earth. And, and that, that chaos, that confusion, that darkness was brought about on the earth and how did it come about? But that's another thing for another day because the mind wonders. God has our mind. That's a wonderful thing, that mind. But it has to be brought. Uh, our mind has to be transformed to the mind of God where we think God's thoughts. His word is his actual thoughts, his righteousness. And that's the transformation we headed toward that mind of God. But when Noah put that ark together, we know it didn't sink. It, it tossed and turned, but it didn't sink. It didn't take on water or whatever. When we build anything, we have to make it so that it doesn't come apart. And that's what's happened. We know... God had made man upright. When he built, when he breathed the breath of life in man, he made man righteous and upright. He put man in a, in a sound condition. And man had communion with God. We know that Adam, more than this, likely the fellowship time was in the cool of the evening when God would come and talk with Adam. But we really understand that God was always with him. He was always there. And whenever we call upon the Lord, he's there to answer us. And that's what Isaiah 58 and 12 talks about. And they shall be of thee, shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. Thou shalt be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. So what happened was God had made man to where he had fellowship. He walked in righteousness. He walked uprightly in God. He walked with God and talked with God. That was the true foundation. That's how man was made upright and in union with, with God. Yes. And through our listening at Satan and the deception brought about that the woman partake of, that was a breach. That was a breach in the wall. That was a breach in our lives. That was a breach right at the foundations of our lives. And before that foundation formed, God came down and they talked with one another. He says, let, let us put man out of the garden 
before he eat of the tree of life and live forever in this condition, in this state. That is knowing good and evil. So that breach that came about, the, the, the tearing down of man's life, the separation of what was right in, in our lives, and now the family was torn apart. Part, and that's what Satan's been trying to do the whole time, is to tear man apart, to tear the church apart. And it's through carnal means. It's, there's different ways, and we'll talk about that maybe in my second point, where Satan gets to you how he enters your body, how he enters your mind. He enters into your life, and we have to fortify those areas so that Satan won't get in there so Satan won't, won't get in there because we were made a fearful and wonderful thing the human body is something else it has the ability to repair itself you were asking me about my son and he has an immune system that's starting over they had to start his immune system over and they had take, taken the bone marrow and cultured it and they had shot his body full of radiation and chemicals and chemotherapy, went through all of those things to try to eradicate that which had entered into his body and had broken it down. It was cancerous, and it was taking his life from him from internally, from the inside. That's what sin did to us. The ravages of sin entered into us. Sin entered into man, it entered into his mind, and it created this, how can I say it, this thermodynamic where we are degrading, we're, we're devolving, we're coming apart, the foundations of who all we are, what we were, what God created, we came from dust and we're returning to dust. Yes, and that's not what the primary design for God had designed us to whereby with the right, with the right way, and if we'd have allowed it to be complete in our lives, we'd have had eternal life. But due to the breach, due due to the breach, God didn't allow that cementing together where in the foundation we would know good and evil that we would have a knowledge of evil. God says, I, I don't want man to live that way throughout eternity. I have to create a different way. And he created his son. He, his only begotten son. Now, the son, let me, let me clarify what I just said. He didn't create his son. The son was given. The son had already been there. The son was sent. In other words, the only begotten son of God. In other words, he was deity. He was the fullness of the Godhead. He has a name above every name. And Jesus Christ was the promise in the beginning. He promised the woman a seed that would come, a seed that would reconcile man back to God. He would buy man back. He would redeem man and put man in a state, a condition. He justified where he would be justified and through his word, through his spirit, he would be sanctified, reconciled unto God. That was the way. That was the only way. That's the cornerstone. That's the chief cornerstone in which the whole building is built on Jesus Christ. 
That's the foundation we build upon. That's, that's the foundation all types of storms can come against. So in building this house, it has to have a proper perspective to what God is doing. It has to be fitly framed together. It has to be fitly because it's going to be tested. It's going to be tested to see whether it can stand what's coming up against it. So we see where God sent other people. He sent other things, other agents in to help in this in this building project because he says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Now we know he was counseling his own will that that's the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But also we have an active part in building man back. We have to follow our archer because our one that went ahead of us as a pioneer, our example, the the repair, the true repair of the breach, Jesus Christ. And it says that it's a promise that we can achieve if we do the Lord's will, if if we do like God tells us to do, that we'll achieve this objective. But there's only one way, and that Jesus Christ is that way, and we have to follow after him. He repaired that breach. He repaired that, that broken spot in man. What is a breach? A breach is anything that opens you to the kingdom of darkness then. We know what secularly, uh, we've discussed that in Bible study, about what the word breach mean, and we talked about breaches. And part of what I want you to look at in, in studying this and preaching this the book of Nehemiah because Jerusalem had been destroyed and it says the kingdom of God in Jerusalem is a type of the church and it's a type of what God had did and I tell you the earth was that type also that darkness had come upon it and God's chosen people the city of Jerusalem is that type in where when the people of God was walking with God walking in God God had given him his laws. He had made a covenant with them. And that the people didn't follow this covenant. They didn't study the covenant as God had designed as children of faith walking after Abraham because that was a type and shadow. And I tell you, God gives us examples in everything in that Old Testament is the example that was written for our admonition, the ones of us into which these latter times, the end time, comes upon us, is encumbered upon us, so the Old Testament would be our foundation. Yes. The law, that's where the law is and in, in that Old Testament. Yes. It's the foundation there. Now watch how we build here because it says the repairs of the breach. It says, and they shall... Build the always places. We're going to build back what God had built, but it's going to be through faith. And through faith, we help establish the laws of God because the law wasn't done away with. He didn't do away with the law. But there's a new and better way to build. 
all of the technology now, they have different way to build things. That's different ways of going about. So we need the old and the new. We need the old hands in the church. We need the new people in the church also. Look, holding my grandson yesterday and playing with my grandson yesterday, and I called him Mo, thinking about how the world will be for Mo. When you hold those generations and hold that which is your name, behold that which you stand for, you want that to be in a good condition. You want him to have a a better world. You want him to have the right world. And so that's what you labor. You're standing in the gap for him. You're standing there as Moses stood in the gap for the people and said, Lord, don't destroy them. Destroy me. Because if if you destroy them, you're destroying me. You know, what happens to one happens to all. That's why we stand in the gap. We stand in the breach there. We stand there where it's parted at, where the rupture is. That first point would be perspective. Perspective. Though initially invisible, breaches are significant. If a water dropped up on a rock, that you know you, you see the steady drip, 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 uh, uh, and you can't notice a difference or whatever. But throughout the year, that drip, drip of the water can make a indentation in that rock and form a hole into that rock. Yes. It could form a rupture in that rock. Uh, 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 it can, according to the drip, it may do a good bit. And the same thing with our lives. As Satan comes upon us in our lives, different things happen unto us, and there's different ways and different things of breach could occur in our lives. And I told you these was God's people that this has happened to. So we're looking at the church, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, the Jerusalem that's coming down, the one that we're helped forming. Like I said, we have an active part in this. So my first point is perspective. In other words, perception. We have to realize that we're broken. We have to realize, as Daniel went back and studied the book of Jeremiah, and he said, we've sinned. God's about to restore us. This captivity is about to end. We see the end is at hand. We see the nation can't continue this way. We see the world can't continue this way. The end is at hand. And so, what type of people we have to be? People that God has given a view, or people that God had birth had given a second chance of people that pray to God and we see where before this verse it says cry loud and spare not and the people were fasting and the people were praying to God but it seems as though God wasn't listening that's because we need to see this from God's perspective we need to truly be a broken and a repentant person from the heart, God has to be then brought about this godly sorrow, this repentance, before we can build back the right way. Because there's going to be others, there's going to be people coming into the church to help build, just like they came to help Nehemiah rebuild. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be those that's building from different with different motives in mind. There's going to be those that build 
building the bigger bonds through covetousness, through worldliness, through the things of their own desires, through what they're lusting after, not after God, not truly converted, not working for the purposes of God. It's a volunteer army, so those that volunteer, it's a lot that may be claiming or professing Christianity that may not be true Christians. But I tell you, perspective, the perception, it's what's important. What perspective, how do you see what you're doing? Are you walking by sight or are you walking by faith? And we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, So what happens here is that we have to get a right uh, set back. It says the Spirit of the Lord brooded upon the earth in the book of Genesis. So it's it's like taking time to surveil the landscape, to, to see what's needed, to see, you know, what's it going to cost me to build this, how, how to build, how to build back. And that's what we do. We, we get in communication with God. Since Jesus Christ died to put us in communication, we come with brokenness and ask, Lord, Lord, unless you build the house, we labor in vain. Unless you build the house. And we can't do anything without you. Now, we've messed up the first time. We really blowed this thing big time. We need you. We need you to lead us and guide us. We see the condition. He showed Isaiah the conditions in the sixth chapter of Isaiah to where man was broken and man needed a Savior. Man needed somebody to go for him. Jesus Christ went for us, and now he's showing Isaiah the problem here. Just as Nehemiah went back and he had heard the walls had been broken down to the city of Jerusalem, and he was the king's cupbearer, and he went back and he surmised, he looked at and he surveilled the situation and how he was going to be back, what he was going to do. He took time and studied. Yeah. And that's what we have to do with God's word. We have to take time and study God's Word. We have to look at the situation and be careful how we build back. How we build the church. And it has to be led by the Spirit of God. You hear in the book of Isaiah, the 6th chapter, and 8th to 10th verse, it says, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, He I am, Lord, send me. And you remember he had what he had to go through. He had, had received this lump of coal that was placed on his tongue. In other words, we have to be purified by God's word. We have to be sanctified, set apart for use by the master. He that handled the things of God must have clean hands. And that's what I tell all of us before we try to get the mote out of our brother's eyes, we have to get it out of our own eyes. We have to be right to stand in the breach. We have to be then got right ourselves before we begin to build other structures go lean. Unless we upright, we have to have that same plumb line that's within us. And it says, go and tell these people to keep on listening, but you're not going to stand. In other words, Isaiah had an impossible, almost seemed like an impossible task here because there was going to be a mixture of two seeds, two different people. 
there will be converted people that were listening and laboring and trying to build back correctly, but there will be the troublemakers, those in the midst of it, like was in the midst with Nehemiah. When Nehemiah went back to build, there were people that wanted to help him build back, but they had ulterior motives in mind. They wasn't building back with God in mind. They were building back like they labored at the Tower of Babel to build a city that would reach into the heavens so that they would never be scattered. It was through selfishness. It was through self-centeredness. It's like Christian nationalism. It's like the movement that's going on in this nation today, talking about build America back with the MAGA movement and using Christianity and the Republican Party as a facade. We look in the book of Revelations where Jesus Christ admonishes two churches, the several churches in the book of Revelation. Some he admonished, some he exhorted, some he rebuked. But he's telling us there that there's a mixed building here. There's some mixture here in this building that everybody that hugs your neck and kisses you and tell you, brother or sister, or everybody that comes along. It's not your true brother. And it was like the apostles when he chose his 12. He said, Hasn't, haven't I chose you 12? And one is a devil. One is a devil. There's some devils out there. Some devils in the church. We have to be careful. But that doesn't stop the Great Commission to go and build. And he says, let the wheat and tear grow together. I separate them when I come. This cement that he's cementing the building together with. It's going to draw you or drive you now. Be careful here now. Be careful how you're building because he still commissioned, just like he told Isaiah to go out and do he commissioned Isaiah and say it's going to be some that don't understand, some that can't hear, some that can't see, but they still going to be blundering along and it's going to have dogs that won't bark. They're going to have dumb dog, ignorant dogs, the blind leading the blind. Jesus Christ was of that same mind. Matthew 28 and 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you. So here's that great commission. Remember, I told you we have to do this. We're working with God. It's a volunteer army. We think that we're doing this, but he says, you hadn't chosen me, I've chosen you. So it's a walk of faith. We're lining up with the promises of God. His word is coming true. It's coming through us. And that's what we're looking at is God's word. That's the guidebook. That's the standard there. And we're standard bearers. And there's breaches, and we're trying to see from his perspective. So God gives us his discerning. That's how we get through this thing with the discerning from God, seeing it from his perspective. And so, as Moses said that when he was going out, he says, uh, I won't go with, I won't go unless you go with me. And he says, I'll send an angel of the, I'll send an angel with you. Now you have to respect his angel. And so with us, God sends the Holy Spirit, which is the comforter. He says, now there's your be a comforter that goes with you. I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another helper. 
a counselor, a strengthener, one to stand by you to be with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because I send you into the world, but you're not of the world, and the comforters will help keep you from the evil that's in the world. Amen. But you have to pray to him. You have Amen. to follow his lead. He says he'll continually be with you. And we see in that 58th chapter where he says in the 11 verses, it says, and the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thine soul in drought and make fat thine bones. Thou shalt be like a well-watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters never fail. He says, he who thirsts, come unto me and drink and I'll give you the water and you'll never thirst again. He gives us a well of water. He gives us eternal drink. We're drinking from the fountain of life. He gives us eternal life. That's what comes. And what we're doing, we're establishing the government of God. All governments of the earth has to be destroyed. We, before we can build, and before Isaiah, Elijah built God's altar up on Mount Carmel, he had to tear down the other altars. Before Gideon built an altar to God, he had to tear down his father's altar. Sometimes we have to tear that down what our parents were building. We have to tear that down which other builders was building because it wasn't on the chief cornerstone. It wasn't according to the specs. These are the specs that you should be building. And if we build it by the specs, it's going to endure time. We're going to repair the breaches. We're going to repair that which was torn down, but we're going to do it right now. We're going to do it the Bible way. The Bible way. By every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, governments going to fall. And we know this is one. We see the rule of law is not the rule of law in the United States of America, according to some. We see corruption and we see a vast nation that's torn apart. God has to destroy a good bit of this nation, a good bit of the people in this nation. They think that God doesn't see him, but he sees all. He sees everything. Now, he's, it's some that he has put his stamp, his seal upon. Now, some of the righteous go fall. But we know that God's doing a work here. That something's happened here. God's working. I was talking to my doctor the other day. He said, something's going on. And that's what I keep telling y'all. If you can't feel that something's different, the same, it's not the same. God's not talking to you. But building God's government, he says, there shall be no... So what happens, he says... He shall rule on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time forward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to perform these, this. And so now we got a rumbling. We have to tear this down to build God's altar. We have to tear it up. We have to be broken to build God's yes. church. These things is happening. We, this thing is cooking now. And that's what he says. The fire is going to be kindled. And he wished that it was already percolating. And we're the ones that's going to cause it to percolate. We're the ones that's going to be 
at the nucleus of this, right in the center of, of this, we will be the rupture in this. We'll be repairing the breaches, but it's going to be according to his word. Yes. And I told you earlier about Satan entrances into the body. The second point is portals. Portals. A breach. We have to be able to see the breaches. We have allowed the world to enter into the churches. We got churches that are talking about watching the Super Bowl and a Super Bowl watch in the church or whatever. Either you will watch, either you will watch football, either you will come to church. We, you can't do both. Your mind has to be on one. Sports is a portal, a portal into the human world. But we're not human. We're spiritual. We're building a spiritual world. Teams, <clears throat> teams come and go, but not the people of God. We're building something permanently here. You know, some people say, I'll come if my team's not on. I'll come if y'all go watch football or whatever. But you stay home and watch football. You, you, if you put your hand to the plow, you have to be focused upon God here. Yes. A yes. portal. We have to tear a thing in your life down. We have to come in, and as they do a root canal, we have to dig and get all the debris out of your life. God, Jesus had to go into the temple and throw the money changers out. He had to chase them all out of there. And he told them, he says, your house is left under you desolate. <clears throat> what does it mean, your house is left under you desolate? Well, it was the established church at that time, the synagogues. The Pharisees was running the synagogues. That's when they started with house churches. Yes. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who murdered the prophets and stoned those messengers who God has sent, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her chicks on her wings, and you were unwilling to listen. Listen carefully now. Your house is being left to you desolate, that is completely abandoned by God and destitute of his protection. For I say unto you that you won't see me again until you cry unto the one that had be, that does the building that comes in the name of the Lord. Yes. In other words, you go wish you were a Christian. Mm -hmm. They will come in here and every stone in the temple of God, in this sanctuary, there shall not be a stone left upon a stone. You know, Titus Vespasian came in and he did exactly that. He came in and destroyed the temple, and they were fighting from the temple. They would come in and lob stuff after the soldiers. They would and run back into the temple. They were sniping on him. In other words, taking pot shots at him. And the general would say, you know what? We're tired of this. Raz it. Burn it down to the ground. And that's when they destroyed the temple of Jerusalem. But the false prophets and the false preachers and the teachers and things were saying, this won't happen to Jerusalem. This won't happen to the church. Jesus tells us in Revelation that he was going to come back and fight against the church. Yeah. See, because we have to find out, is there any devils that didn't hit in the church? You know, when things going on, sometimes you could have a snake that would hide in a pile of wood that's burning until that fire gets so hot, that's when the serpent bit Paul's hand, is when the fire got too hot. You have to get the fire hot. 
get the fire hot in the church. Trials and tribulation, you have to test their faith. Yes. He says, skin for skin. He says, let me add his body though. He had taken Job's children. He had taken everything material Job had. He said, but now let me touch his skin. Let me touch his health. When you get ready to die, when you think you're going to die, when you when you go to pain and then go in the hurry, that's going to tell what side you're on now. We're we, we going to put stuff, make the fire so hot. God knows how to try you. Every, every one of us going to face trials in our lives. It's in our DNA, that fear and anxiety, and he wants to cast out all fear. He wants to get you where you totally dependent and trusting upon him. You know, if some people have, do you have any relatives or know any friends or people, they act like they're with you or, or seem to be with you or whatever, but they still got that old grouchiness in them, that old mean streak, that bitterness in them. They still hadn't died to self. It's like a rattlesnake, you know. A, you, you can, it could be down there, but they tell you, don't get close to it because that thing will still bite in death. If you get too close to it, it still will land a strike on you. It's not going to give. It's still going to bite, you know. Yes. That nature's going to come out. That's why it says we must be born again. You can't get into heaven unless you're born again because that old nature, yes. it may be resident. It may be dormant. It may be like that cancer that I was telling you about, the chemicals and things. But we have to make sure that that thing is dead. And we have to die daily. Are you dying daily? The people were praying to God. They were fasting. They were doing all these things. But they wasn't dead to self. They still was after what they could get. They was for self. They wasn't thinking about their brothers. They wasn't thinking about the people laboring and helping them. It was all about self. See, that's a portal. I tell you, the portals, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life and the lust of the eyes, they always want more, that covetous, covetousness, idolatry, bowing down to the things of the world. And we have to repair, That's those are breaches, that's the way the devil get in. He gets in, he tried to get into Job through Job's wife, and the wife came to Job and said, look at your health, look how you're doing, why don't you curse God and die? He said, oh, no, you, you don't sound like my wife, woman. See, sometimes we have to tell those very close. He said, the enemies will be those of your own household. Yes. yes. Your enemies will be those of your household. Some, your mama, your grandmother, experience shame, fear, or guilt. Why? And this thing has festered and got into you, and some kind of insecure attachment has come along. Uh, some early childhood abuse. Uh, something where you were shamed. Uh, something happens to you. And the mind doesn't let you forget that. Some of us carry grudges for years. Yes. Some of us yes. are just bitter. There's a root of bitterness. Something has happened and they've been bitter all of their lives. A lot of us have been exposed to pornography or sexual abuse and you have sexual immorality. You have things going on in your life, and you become a victim. Uh, there's gambling and things that are going on, and some of us gamble and 
Some of us are tectronics. In other words, we're attached, that we are idolaters. We, we've become hooked to technology. Some of us are gluttonous. And a lot of people, they go to the football games and all this and don't even go into the game. They're just there to have a good time. The tailgate to drink and have enter- entertainment is a portal in which you, all of those are breaches in the wall. All of those are breaches in the wall. And none of that can enter into the kingdom of God unless it's that's just what it is, using the world, not abusing the world. I didn't say it's a sin to use the world. We have to use the world. But he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So the Lord's going to guide you and where he feels in these gaps. Listen at Isaiah 59 and 18 through 20. And we're going to do this when we go with that chapter next week. It says, according to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands. In other words, to each individual, he will pay recompense so that they shall fear the name of the Lord. He's the, everybody that had did something to him. In other words, when they do something to you, they've done it to him. What you do unto me, you do unto the Lord, because I'm the apple of his eye. What you do to a man, you do unto his children. That's what I was telling you about my grandchildren or whatever. Whatever happening to them, it's happening unto me. That's the way we have to start seeing it. As, As you hate my brothers, you hate me. You understanding what I'm saying? We have to be one. As you're not thinking about that individual, I'm not going to think about you, God says. Unless you forgive others of their sin, God's not going to forgive you. Well, see, because we have churches now that's building with untempered mortar. Untempered mortar. What is untempered mortar? In other words, unsound teaching and preaching. You remember I told you that pitch, that bitumen that holds us together, that spirit that's sealed. We were sealed with the Holy Spirit. A lot of us are not led by the Holy Ghost. Those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And there are people preaching and teaching the gospel from other motives, other viewpoints, other perspectives, and other things. And they hadn't been commissioned by God and it's flimsy spiritual work. The devil's going to come in as a flood, and you're not going to be able to stand. And some of our, our children that are not in Bible preaching and teaching churches, it's going to come in as a flood on them also. Yes. You know, that's why I say yes. Ezekiel, God took Ezekiel's wife on purpose. To show Ezekiel how to stand strong before the people. And he said, I'm going to kill Ezekiel, but don't you cry. You better not cry. You better not show any emotions. You see, that's what happened with Aaron. God destroyed his two sons. He killed them right there. He allowed fire to come out and burn them because they were using strange fire. God says, never take fire from that altar. Never light anything with fire, but from right here. God says, now tell Aaron, don't act like he don't agree with this. Uh, Yes, I'll kill him too. We have to be strong. You know, Job says, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Job knew not to to curse the hand that feeds him. 
God is the way. Whatever God does to you, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Yet will I serve him. So those portals, those breaches, we have to have a God's viewpoint to see from God's perspective what's coming up on each other or what's coming in, and we have to seal the breaches. We have to repair the breaches. We have to come in and he's given us a word. He's given us the sword of his spirit. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation, the good news, the gospel, the preaching. We are equipped and he has equipped us with the whole arm of God to fight this battle. So that third point, preaching and teaching. We can't just daub the walls with this untempered mortar. We must go in. It says, Ephesians 4, 7, and 8, he says, Yet grace was given to each one of us in different ways and in different proportions to the measure of Christ. A rich, abundant grace. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he bestowed gifts on men. In other words, he equipped different ones of us to be teachers exhorters to be givers to it was different things that he gave to each one of us to help build the church of God so it would be without a spot or wrinkle that's why we have to listen we have to take criticism from every point and run it through our mind and bring every thought into the captivity and obedience of God not to, to those people that just love saying something and doing something Watch what you're spouting off and what you're saying and what you're telling people because you have to give account for every idle word you say. All of that bad information you give, you remember, recompense to recompense who desire. You, it, he says, be not many masters. In other words, be not many teachers. In other words, you have to watch what you're telling somebody or watch what you're saying because you cause another one to fall. That's a transgression. You call somebody else to be brought low. We have to watch these things. See, when you're corking something, when you're patching something, you used to have those tires that you're uh, in a tube and you're tired that you had to pack. You used to have to scrub it. And you have to take steel wool or something and scrub there so the glue would adhere to the surface that you were gluing this to. And that's what I say. Our lives has to have to be brought down to what is corrupt, what is base. When they did repair my knee, they had to get all of the bad out of there before they put the sealant, the glue in to glue the other new knee to or else the corruption, just like a root canal. I had a dentist not knowing what she was doing, and she went in there and filled the teeth. But she didn't get all of the pulp, all of the debris from under there. She didn't do a proper root canal. In other words, she was an unexperienced laborer. She built with untempered mortar. In other words, she didn't take her time and laid a proper foundation. A proper foundation has to be laid for anything, else you can't build upon those things. He says, and his gifts to the church were varied. He himself appointed some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints. 
that is God's people for works of service, to build up the body of Christ that is the church, until we all reach oneness in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ Jesus manifesting spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity, working as one, as one body, one mind, and one in Christ Jesus. Yes. Same objective, being made in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ without a spot or blemish. Whatever is in you, that thing that you love to do, there's a lot of us have habits. We have old things ingrained into us. God's going to come in and get that. It's going to be like a lamp, a light searching through any dark place, any crevices, anything that's in the dark, it's going to be brought to the light. That's what his word do. It manifests light. If the whole body's darkness, the whole body's going to be, but if, if it's light, then we can be able to see. We're going to be brought to perfection. Yes. He says, so that we are no longer children, that he is spiritually mature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by deceitful scheming of people to do anything for personal profits. But we would be speaking the truth and love in all things, both in our speech and our lives expressing truth. Let us grow up into him, following his example, who is the head, that is Jesus Christ. From him, the whole body, that is the church, in its all in its various parts, are joined and knitly, firmly together by every joint supplies. We're fitted together firmly by what every joint supplies. Everybody has a place in the body of Christ. Everybody has a purpose. Sometimes the most minute thing is important. I was talking to my sister the other day. I came through, and she'd be laying there, whatever, and I was talking about the things with AI and everything, and she was, I was telling about scams that they're pulling that they're able to go over the phone lines, and when they call your house, they'll ask you something or whatever, and if you say yes, that means you acknowledge and sign of a contract or something, they then silence the part of what they say and only the part that you saying yes and agreeing to this. And she said, yeah, I heard that or whatever. We're in a dangerous time now. We're we in cunning times. There's different spirits out there. But that was very important. And I say, you know, I thought she'd not know these things. It's some things she's in and out. But that doesn't mean because one person know one thing that they know all things. So we have to watch what people are saying. We have to analyze everything everybody said. It says bringing every thought captive into the captivity. Bring every thought captive and send it through Jesus Christ. Sift that through Jesus Christ. Sift it through his word to see if that's the right thing. See is that the right direction. It says try the spirits to see whether they be of God. It says when each part is working properly, it causes to buy the body to grow to maturity, building itself up in unselfishness. And we have been built up according to God's word, according to the remarkable grace which was given to us. So in 1 Corinthians here, it says, like a skillful master builder, 
I laid a foundation and now there is an, another building on it. But each one must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Be careful. The foundation has been laid. He's the cornerstone. We're building upon Jesus Christ, but watch how you build upon him now. You can't just say anything or do anything because it says, but if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will be clearly shown for what it is. For the day of judgment will disclose it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality and character and work of each person's work. If any person's work which he has built on this foundation, that is, any outcome of his effort remains and survives the test, he'll receive a reward. But if any person's work is burned up, he will suffer the loss of his reward. Yet he himself will be saved, but only as one tried by fire. So we see the prodigal son, the wasteful son. He was saved. It was salvation. The father said, your brother which was once lost is now saved. We talk about mansions in heaven and things we have in heaven. But you know the prodigal son didn't have anything. He had wasted everything he had. He was going to be dependent upon his brother to take care of his every need. But the father told him, he says, all I have is yours. In other words, it belonged to the brother. A lot of us didn't wasted what God has given us, and we didn't build for the world. You may be in a false church, you may be in a false place or whatever. God's watching you. You have to give account of the deeds done in the body. But be repairs of the breach. Lay proper foundations. And when someone's trying to breach the wall, we have to come in and not daub it with untempered mortar, but we have to use prayer. We have to use fashion. We have to use the Word of God. We have to use the things God has given us to build. We're building a house that's fitly joined together. Sometimes there has to be rebuke. Sometimes there has to be exhortation. Sometimes it's just empathy. But all of us are playing a part. Your actions are playing a part. You have to give account for every idle word that's come out of your mouth. Did you know murmuring and complaining, those are portals, those are breaches because that's a sign that, that tears you down, that's entering into your body, that takes away from your strength. Those are thermodynamics that cause you to degrade. It doesn't build you up. It says, let us speak now forever, hold our peace. Sometimes we have to learn to hold our peace. We have to learn not to say things. We have to get down and tell God and say, God, I'm thinking wrong thoughts. I'm saying something wrong. We have to capitulate on some things. We have to go back in repentance. We're building the house of God and it's fitly joined together, but it only comes together through and by God. Those actions will last. Those things that are did in Christ Jesus will last. But what we're doing here ourselves, if it's not through God, if it's not by the will of God, if it's not led by the Spirit of God, we're laboring in vain. So let us be careful how we build. 
but let us be repairers of the breaches. Let us take the word of God and use the word of God and be fitly joined together. He's going to do some sawing and some filing on us. Sometimes chastening comes. But Job says, I spoke that which I knew not. I covered my mouth. Sometimes we have to go back. We have to go back and tell them, confess, and I was wrong. I was sorry. But it's through brokenness that the house of God fits. This piece fits here. He's going to show you where all the broken pieces fit. We can't put Humpty back together again. He can put our lives back together again. He can give us eternal life. He can show us, show us how to pull off the old corruptible man and put on that which is incorruptible. We're putting on Christ Jesus, and if we abide in him, we're building back that relationship. We're being reconciled to God. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God's putting you back to where you can boldly go before the throne of grace and have sweet fellowship and communion with him. He says, the Father and the Son would come in and suck with you. In other words, they go dwell within you. Your body is the temple of the living God. He's building himself a house and it's your body so that body no longer belongs to you. Be careful what you do with your body. Heavenly Father, as we come through you this day,